You're listening to audio from Journey Bible Church. Join us every week for sermons from God's Word by subscribing to this podcast wherever you like to listen most. If you would like to connect with us, head to journeybible.org connect. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I am uh, Luke Hoagland. I'm the young adults minister here. Many people ask, uh, hey, am I a young adult or is my kid a young adult? The answer is always no, just so you know. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's a very fluid definition on what a young adult is. Uh, We're very, it's like, is it 18 to 35? It kind of is. Uh, It's very fluid, but uh, I enjoy uh, and am privileged to be able to serve here as the young adults minister. Uh, I am married. My wife, Bailey, uh, we've been married for a year and nine months. We are bringing another boy into the mix in January, so it's uh, super exciting. We are, we're thrilled. Um, yeah, thank you, and uh, get another guy going. At the baby dedications, man, I, I remember as a single guy just watching the baby dedications, like, do we have to do this? And I'm sitting over there like, oh, baby dedications, it's so amazing. Um, so thank you guys for dedicating your kids to the Lord. Uh, Starting a parable series, and to start us off, I'd like to share one of my own. So uh, how many in here have either played, have a family member played, uh, or know someone who has recreationally or competitively played a sport? I mean, everyone's hands going up, basically. We live in America. We love sports probably too much sometimes. Um, We're hoping our baby gets a scholarship, so we'll be investing as well. Um, But I'm going to tell you my own parable about baseball. I'm going to share about four friends' baseball careers. The first one, his name was Will. Will was uh, an acquaintance. He played on my t-ball team, and uh, Will was not very good (laughs) at t-ball, even with the ball just sitting there on the tee. Not super good, couldn't really hit, couldn't really catch, couldn't really run the bases. That's about it. Uh, He he didn't have it, and uh, you can't blame him. His parents made him be there. That was the only reason he played, and uh, he ended up quitting. He did not get the scholarship. He didn't last very long. My second friend uh, is a a kid who went by the name of Bobby Baseball. Bobby Baseball uh, was his name, and it was because he was obsessed. He he loved it so much, and you could tell he was wearing his eye black in the grocery store and to school, wearing the necklaces and the sunglasses for no good reason all the time. He loved it. But what happens is fifth grade comes around, and you get put onto teams by skill level. You do tryouts, and Bobby realized that he maybe wasn't as good as his desire showed. It didn't match up super well, and he got frustrated, discouraged, and he ended up quitting shortly thereafter. The third player uh, played baseball for years, even into high school, and he was a pretty good little baseball player. This is me. Uh, I'm I'm not bragging on myself. My mama said so. I was decent, and uh, and, uh, I was forced to make some decisions in high school. It was either going to be baseball or golf. They were during the same season. And baseball was the right option because I was good. I was not really any good at golf, but I desired to play. My friends were on the golf team. They went and played nine holes of golf for free, got out of school early. Man, that sounds good. And uh, the truth is my desires were conflicted. I was distracted. The thing that I needed to be doing, I no longer wanted to do because I I was distracted by what was going on over there in golf, and I I gave up baseball, and I I changed to play golf. It's a ton of fun, but I I gave up the game of baseball. And the fourth guy uh, is a guy named Isaiah. Went to high school with him. Uh, Wasn't a great pitcher early on in high school, but he worked, man. He worked his tail off, and by the end of high school, 
Isaiah was one of the best pitchers in the entire state of Kansas. And he got a scholarship to the University of Arkansas, Division I uh, Baseball. And then he is now, and recently he got his first win as a Seattle Mariner. He's a professional pitcher, and he has made it. He is seeing the fruit of sticking with it with baseball. Now, it's a pretty neat story, right? I'm a good storyteller. Very impressive, Luke. Cool story about your friends. I say this to us really just to create a similar parable. And, and we're going to see as we look into our first parable of the series, the parable of the sower, how this in some ways is relatable to us and is going to describe some spiritual truths that Jesus is trying to teach us. And so where are we at uh, in the Bible right now? If you, if you want, you can, you can open to Luke chapter 8. That's where we're going to be. Introducing this series uh, with parables, let's look at the word parable. It's a weird word. We don't really talk about it in any context other than when we're talking about a parable in the Bible. Uh, a parable, simply put, is a relatable story meant to illustrate deep truths. And, and you've got a definition on the screen. It's interesting. Its, it's definition is to throw alongside of. There's a definition of parable. And so we're going to see that uh, in this one today. Jesus is going to throw along this story about a sower and seeds and soils uh, in a wheat field. He's going to throw that story right alongside of these spiritual truths that he wants to teach us. And that's what we're going to see in this entire series. So every time teach, uh, Jesus teaches a parable, he is teaching about the kingdom of God. I told you a parable, and it kind of lines up with the one we'll look at today. When we tell parables in modern day, it's not always about the kingdom of God. When Jesus does, it is always about the kingdom of God. So Luke chapter 8, where we are in Jesus' life, he's, he's called the 12 guys. His disciples are following him. There's these other uh, men and women who are following him around town. He's starting to face some serious opposition. Jesus is teaching with incredible authority and these other people who are spiritually hungry, uh, but they're also spiritually prideful, are getting jealous. Some of their followers are going to follow Jesus. And so Jesus is facing opposition, and, and where does he go? He ends up kind of walking away, but all the people follow him. And we know from uh, the Gospel of Matthew's account of the parable of the sower that Jesus right now, he's about to step out up onto a boat, and there's this cove of people looking at him, and his voice can project off the water so they, all, they can all hear him. And that's where we're going to pick up Luke chapter 8, verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, I told you my sports baseball story. The crowd uh, in this moment, in Jesus' time, would not have got that. Baseball was about 1,500, I don't know, 1,800 years later. It would have not made any sense. But he's telling them a story with these seeds and sower and soils. And really, the, the whole crowd is like, yeah, we get it. I get it with the seeds and the soil and the sower. Like, makes sense. I see that every day on, on the side of the road. Makes sense, Jesus. Why are you talking this way? What are you doing? And in Jesus' context, they all get what he is saying. And uh, so why are you saying the most obvious thing? That's what the disciples did. Look with me at verse 9. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, 
Jesus, what's this story all about? He said, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So that's our series, Secrets of the Kingdom of God. And this is, this is why we are doing it. We're going to look at these deep spiritual truths about uh, spiritual things, God's kingdom that have been kept in secret for ages and ages that people haven't known about. And Jesus is saying, hey, I want to tell you guys about the kingdom of God. And, and as I was studying this, I wondered it, and maybe you, you guys are wondering it too. Does this mean that Jesus desires some people to understand and then doesn't want these others to? Does, is he saying that, you know, hey, I want to teach the ones who believe, but I'm trying to stump everyone else? I, I've been encouraged in, in studying it because it's a good question, and I'm, I'm happy with what I found. It, Jesus, when he teaches parables, they're supposed to be as simple as they sound. They're supposed to be. They're supposed to be really easy for us to understand. Jesus, he teaches us in our language, he's going to speak our language, things that we know well. He says, listen, lean in. I'm going to put it in some relatable terms. I want you guys to understand the kingdom of God, and I want you to understand there's a choice to be made. Just knowing isn't enough. There's a choice to be made about the kingdom of God in your life. And, and even still, at this point in the parable, the disciples are like, all right, still don't get it. Maybe y'all are like that too. Still don't get the story. And that's where Jesus, right here in this next verse, he's going to dot all the I's, he's going to cross all the T's and explain the parable. Verse 11. Now the parable is this, Jesus speaking. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones who are on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a little while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and the fruit does not mature. And as for that, that is in good soil. They are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. So you, got, you guys see those three elements there. There's a sower, there's a seed, there's soils. We've talked about that. We've got a slide just to, to put those up as we dive into it. Um, we have the sower. Jesus' explanation, it doesn't really tell us who the sower is. And I think we can conclude it can be anybody. Anybody can be the sower. What matters here is the seed. He explains in verse 11, the seed is the word of God. So it's the gospel, it's the, the truth from God uh, set before time, unchanging, and so the sower sows that. They sow that seed. And lastly, we have the different soils. And we can describe the soils this morning as different conditions of the human heart. And they have a bearing on the end result of what is produced. And the big point this morning to take away right before we get into the text, here's the big point. The way we receive God's word makes all the difference. Would you pray with me? Lord, I, I just confess that even as I uh, study this and as I, as I go about the day-to-day, -day, I don't always receive your word uh, with, a, with a good heart. Uh, I grow even 
dull to it at times. And, and God, this morning, I, I pray that you would do works in our hearts. God, will we be softened before you in a way, God, that we receive your work, we receive it rightly, and we do what you want us to do. God, work in this room. Um, God, your word, not mine. We ask you to move mightily. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so the first soil that we're gonna look at, soil number one this morning, is what we're gonna call the hardened heart. The hardened heart. Verse 12, read with me. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So they hear the word, but they don't receive it rightly. It's like my friend Will in that illustration, uh, the baseball illustration. He played baseball, but he did not really desire to. He didn't want it. He didn't see it as good, and he gave up the game. So this one in the parable, right, is the one that was sown along the path, as you see there in that verse. And what do we know about a path? You know, maybe you've had uh, some kids that play in your yard too much. It gets trampled down. You're like, stay off my lawn. I want to water it. I want it to grow up. Uh, it's been trampled down. And that's true of a path. A path gets trampled on year after year, day after day. Everything is just smushed. This heart is hardened, maybe by their own sin, maybe by the sins of others, the hurts of others, the lies, the false religions, the indoctrination around them. They, they look around. They look at themselves. They look at the world, and they say, man, it's not good. God doesn't care. God's not here. God can't change that person, can't change them. He can't change me. This heart has been hardened. And, and there you see where it says, the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Big point here. There's an enemy, Satan. He's God's enemy. And he hates you. And he hates me. He's taken away the truth of the word. He loves it when someone's heart is hardened towards God. And we can understand this further. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, we, we see this verse often. We, we use it often. Paul explains that in their case, the God of this world, or, or Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. C.S. Lewis put it uh, similarly. He describes uh, in the screw tape letters, if you guys have read or ever heard of that book, uh, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but he calls something and defines something uh, as Satan's perfect work. Satan's perfect work. When Satan does a great job in someone's life in an evil way, what does it look like? This is what it says. Satan's perfect work is causing a man to lack any true understanding of the spiritual realm and to not worry about their own spiritual condition. Satan does not want you or I or anyone to have eyes to see, to have hearts to understand and know who Jesus is. He doesn't want you to believe and he does not want you to care. In this parable, it's, it gives us the spirit of examining. Is this you? This morning, we're so glad that you're here if it's you and, and just let me say, if you've never understood the big deal about Jesus, you've never thought you needed saved from anything here tonight, God has the enemy, Satan. You have an enemy, Satan. He wants to steal all spiritual life, all spiritual truth from you, and he wants you to do and believe anything other than in the Savior, Jesus Christ. 
He wants you to never see the light, and that is not God's heart for you. That is not God's desire for you. He, he wants to teach you right now, this morning, that this does not have to be the state of your heart forever. He can change it in a moment, in a moment's notice. And here's the deal. Jesus' love for you is way stronger than the hardness of your heart. Jesus' love for you is more powerful than the enemy, Satan. If you'd humble, humble yourself, open your heart to him, he can come in and do a spiritual, life-giving work in your life. This is soil number one this morning, the hardened heart. You guys go on with me. We're going to look at the second soil, and we're going to call this soil this morning the superficial heart. Soil number two, the superficial heart. Read with me. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. So they hear the word, but they don't receive it rightly. This is like Bobby Baseball, my guy. It looked like he received it rightly and joyfully. Things were going good, but it didn't have a root to withstand difficulties. So this person, they hear the word of God, right? They know it may be the gospel. They see that it's good. There's this positive response, emotional response. It looks right. Things look good. The gospel has saved them. They're a savior, or they're a sinner in need of a savior. And so they respond rightly with exceeding joy. And so what happened next? Maybe they, they prayed a prayer. Maybe they got dunked. They got baptized. They signed a salvation card. All, all good things. Their life changed in some outward ways. They start going to church regularly on Sundays. They get into a Bible study. Things go well. Things seem to be going well, and they're growing. But what does it say? They believe for a while. When faith is tested, they fall away. Why? They had no root. means it looks good above the ground, but what's happening in the soil is a whole different story. Here is a, a picture of George Whitfield. He's a, he's a well-known sower in the 1700s. He's a Billy Graham type, if you know who Billy is. Um, George Whitfield, he traveled around the world, preaching the gospel in stadiums, gymnasiums, filling them all up, and what would happen is uh, at the end, he would share the gospel and, and the crowds are going wild, all these things, and reporters would come up and they say, George, 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 hey, how many people got saved? You guys did those baptisms. How many baptisms were there? You know, how, how many people were once dead spiritually and are now alive spiritually? And every single time George would respond, he says, we'll see. So we'll see. So we'll see in two, three, five, 20 years. We'll see. I'm just sowing the seed. I can't see the soil. I'm just sowing the seed. See, he understood the truth here in this parable that, that Jesus is teaching us. It's, it's, hey, there's many who seem to love the message. This is supposed to be, and it is, the greatest message of all time. And so people should respond accordingly. But here's the deal. Life will get hard. And there will be testing. And people have to make the decision to a whole nother level. And many fall away because they have no root. And this, this, hits host, uh, sorry, this hits close to home for me. I had a friend uh, who, man, we shared the gospel together. We prayed together uh, almost daily. We would confess our sin to one another basically daily. And, and all these things, we were praying for the same people. We would go out and share the gospel uh, at the beach and then in the mall. All until one day he said, hey, I, 
I'm just not going to do it anymore. Say, I'm done. And he said, by the way, like, I've been trying this. I've been faking it. The truth was there was no root. And it, it stung. It still stings. What Jesus is teaching us here in this parable is that this is something that is going to happen. This is possible. So I, I want to beg you, examine yourselves. Are you faking it? Is it possible that you could be faking it, that this faith thing is superficial, it's really easy to do when we get here on Sundays and everybody's rah-rah, but man, the rest of the time, it ain't real. Is it outward motions? Is there a root? Being a churchgoer, a church member, a tither, a good person doesn't exempt anyone here. Times get hard, faith will get tested, worry, anxiety will cloud over in unbelief, and you say, God's not going to hold me, God can't satisfy me, you know, this is too hard, I don't think God cares in this moment, and a trial and a test, it takes people out, because there's no root. Here's the deal, Christians have many troubles, we know this, just like everyone else in the world, Christians don't exempt themselves from troubles. Babies die disease. It's all the same. You name it. Christianity will, itself will give you plenty to worry about, but with it, God gives you the solution to worry. The solution to worry itself. Trials and difficulties of many kinds, as we looked at in James, bring you joy because you know, man, God's working in me. He's making me resilient in this life. What's hard now? Something harder is coming later. God's preparing me right now. And then we have the promises of eternal life, life forevermore. Once death hits, life starts for the believer forevermore. No guilt in life, no fear in death. The Christian is rooted and nothing can take them out. And I'm going to camp here for a quick second, too, because I am far too familiar with this second soil life. This was me. I mean, I got good at faking it, man. I had so many people convinced. Other parents were pointing their kids to me, being like, go hang out with Luke. He's the good Christian kid. It looked good above the ground. It was not looking good in the soil. I was faking it. I had many emotional experiences. I prayed to receive Christ so many times. But the truth is, I, I wanted to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. I didn't care about God. I cared about me. So let me tell you, if you've been living this life one foot in, one foot out, convenient Christianity, let me tell you, being a Christian is binary. You are or you aren't. God doesn't want you to sit on that fence for another second. He's never desired you to sit on the fence. Nobody wants it. It's not good for anybody. God says, get off the fence. He wants you all in. He wants you to believe in him with everything you had. So I beg you, this morning, don't be lukewarm. He's faithful and, and, and genuine, and, and the genuine all-in faith in Jesus can satisfy you. That's the second soil, the superficial heart. Go on to me, to the th uh, with me to the third soil. This morning, we're going to call it the divided heart. Soil number three, the divided heart. And as for what fell among thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So this person, they hear the word, but they don't rightly receive it. They don't receive it rightly. This was me in that baseball illustration earlier. 
I received baseball, right? I, I, I played baseball, but I was distracted by golf. Baseball was the right thing. I was distracted by golf, and it choked that desire for baseball out of my life. See, this heart is distracted. They're consumed with many things. This person could be a church regular as well, your church member. Nothing exempts here. They've got the things. They've got the car. They've got the job. They've got the good life, and they've compartmentalized their Christianity amongst all their lowercase g gods. And it says that they're choked by the cares of this world. You guys know, you guys know thorns. What happens with, with a thorn is, is they're, they're perilous, right? They, they go to something that has life, and they stretch themselves around them, and they, they wind around, and then they squeeze it so that they can get all the life out of it. And while they draw close and they wrap around again and again, it, they're trying to get out any spiritual excitement. It drains any of that spiritual vigor and fervor for God. A favorite preacher of mine, he, he regularly says, uh, it's not Mike, it's someone else. A favorite preacher of mine regularly says uh, something along the lines of, says, we can run this life hard and we can get after it, man, and then we can uh, keep it all together. You know, we can keep our mortgage paid, we can keep our bills paid, we can hit the finish line called retirement, and then we're gonna die in our sleep. And our kids are gonna enjoy our stuff. What he's getting at, he's, he's in a wealthy Texas town, so he gets that, we get that here in Johnson County. Here's the deal, the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, be careful. They're so distracting from the type of faith God is trying to produce in us. These wealth and possessions and cares of life, they so easily become our security, they so easily become our identity, what people know us by, and it can seem like there's spiritual fruit present, but what, what it's saying is, man, things can look good for a while, but truly, if you rip those thorns away, all those cares and pleasures and riches of life away, what's going to be on the inside? What's under the soil? And it can be really hard to tell because all of these things get in the way. All of these things make it unclear. What is the spiritual condition there of that person? And it's a dangerous place to be. They're thorns. Jesus, a couple chapters later, Jesus says to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And we talked about this in James too. Be careful when we are rich in the world because it makes it more difficult to tell how are things going spiritually in this person's life. And so in the spirit of examining, are we this soil? Are you this soil? Have you been careful? Are we busy chasing the fruit of the world or the fruit of the kingdom of God? Are we too easily entertained by the things Christ died for? Listen, if this is you today, even today, like we've talked about, you can cast these things off and you can come before Jesus with a humble heart. Fix your eyes on him and receive the word of God and not the other things of the world. Submit your heart wholeheartedly to him. That's the third soil of the parable, the divided heart. Last soil that we're gonna talk about, the fourth soil in this parable is what we're gonna call the fruitful heart, the fruitful heart. As for that, what was sown in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So like the other people, this person also hears the word, but they receive it rightly. 
This is my old friend Isaiah in the baseball passage. And what was true of Isaiah is he kept with it. He kept with it patiently. He didn't, he didn't force it. He wasn't looking for the ultimate satisfaction right now in the moment. He knew there was something greater. Something would come. And he believed it. And the result was life-changing. Now, I, I don't mean to have the conversation right here. All right, Luke is like, soil number one, definitely not saved. Soil number two, he's like, kind of saved. Soil number three, like, no way to really know. Soil number four is good. We're, we're not having that conversation here. What you ought to hear, though, this morning is Jesus does not commend any of the other three soils. He calls the fourth soil good. The fourth soil is the one Jesus wants you to be. He's saying, be this one. This fourth soil, be this guy. He's the one I want you to be. The other things, they're not going to mature. They're not going to have life. It's going to be hard to tell. Be the fourth soil. This is my will for you, my desire for you. I want you to flourish into what a seed is intended to do, is to go deep down into that soil, be rooted, and then be strong in the world. That's what Jesus desires for you. And if you receive it rightly, he can work Amazing things. And so we're, we're here on a Sunday morning. The believers are gathered together in the church gathering. And so there's a really good chance everyone in here knows a fourth soil type of person. So praise God. Hallelujah. I love it. This is what I love about being at Journey. There's so many here. And the difference with the fourth soil people is they receive the word of God into their life. So how do we receive it rightly? They hear like everyone else. How do they receive it? And look what it says. It says... And they hear, they hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and they bear fruit with patience. Got another slide for this. They, they hold it fast. We're going to break these things down a little bit. So they hold it fast. They hold the word of God fast, meaning they see the word of God as this authoritative truth in their life, and then they trust in it. Things that happen in the world don't always look like they're lining up with what the Bible says doesn't matter for this person. They hold fast to the word of God because they know God comes through in the end every time as victorious. Secondly, with an honest heart. Be honest and be genuine with God. God knows everything. God knows all of your sins. So be honest with him with your sin and be honest with others about your sin. You don't have to fake it like that superficial heart. It does you no good. So be honest and genuine with the Lord, like, and he is so gentle. He is so gentle with us. He knows our frame. He knows our weakness. Point number three there, bear fruit. Bear fruit, meaning don't be distracted. God's trying to do this thing in, in, in your life, and you, like, you lose the patience for it, and so you, like, you want to go to something else to satisfy you, and then it doesn't bear the fruit because you went to this other thing that you were distracted by. God was saying, wait, be patient, bear fruit, trust me. So don't despise the discipline of the Lord because in time, he will produce a harvest of righteousness in your life. And that's point number four, patient. Love is patient. A fruit of the Holy Spirit is patience. This person lives on God's time. This person lives according to God's agenda. It's God's schedule. Things may not always appear like God's got the timing all right, but they believe he does, and they believe that they don't know, but that God knows. Jesus commends the fourth soil. The way we receive the word of God makes all the difference. So in summary, there's the hard heart, 
the one who has been beaten down and is hardened by sin in the world. Second, there's the superficial heart, those who hear it, accept it when it's convenient, and fall away when it gets inconvenient. Third, there's the divided heart, those who have heard it, but they are distracted by the world. Fourthly, there is the good soil. And, and I want to end us with a, with a clear gospel call. We don't want to assume anything of anyone in the room. Here's the deal. Wherever you are at, you, you were reading those soils, you heard what I said, and you're like, oh, like that's me. I'm there. I'm the second soil. I'm, oh, that's me over here. I'm number one. Wherever you are at, listen, you are created by a God who is crazy about you. Some have said he's a softy. He loves you. You are separated from him by your sin, your own sin. Here's the deal. You wanted to be God. You wanted to be him. You wanted to do whatever you wanted to do. And God sent Jesus to die for you. God sent Jesus who gladly died for you because he loved you. He was seeking his own glory and he was seeking you in your heart to save you. And he's seated in heaven right now. He, the grave could not keep him. God rose him from the dead. He's seated in heaven and he is in control. There is nothing that if you trust your life in Jesus, there's nothing that can snatch you out of his hand. He can satisfy you. If you're, if you're distracted, if it's superficial, if you're hardened, he can satisfy every heart. And he's gonna come back for us. He's gonna save those who are eagerly waiting for him. That's the gospel. That's the hope of eternal life for those that are in Christ Jesus. That's the seed. It's been sown. How will you receive it? Would you guys pray with me? Lord God, I love your word. And God, I praise you just for when you, you speak it and you, you even help me receive it rightly. And God, I pray that for this room. God, if there's anyone who, who is far from you or close to you but doesn't know you, God, would you do a work in their heart right now? God, you've shown yourself to be faithful. We know it. And God, even for, for those of us in the room who are that fruitful heart or that uh, fruitful soil, God, we even stray as well, and sometimes we don't receive it rightly. We, we don't listen to you. We've heard that verse a million times, and we say, yeah, I got it but you want to continue to speak it to us because we wander and we stray. God, would you soften our hearts so that we would be, just be softened for you to glorify your name and not ours. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This podcast was produced by Journey Bible Church in Olathe, Kansas. If you're interested in learning more about our church, visit journeybible.org. Thanks for listening.